You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks, and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey friends, welcome to uh, another episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. My name is Ben Sternke. I'm a co-founder of Gravity Leadership. I'm here with Matt Tebby. I'm here too. Yep. Who? Uh, you're, you're a good friend of me, Matt. Thanks, man. I, pr- I appreciate it. You're one of recording. my besties. Yeah. As the kids say. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, hey, uh, we're also... <laughs> do the kids say besties? We're having a Momo. They also mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. A Momo? Short for moment, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, right, right. Yeah, you can uh, follow along with Urban Dictionary on this right. episode of the Gravity we, Leadership Podcast. <laughs> right. We know what the kids are up to these days. My, uh, my, my By the way, my daughter, my college-age daughter, um, is she's on Snapchat all the time like with my wife, and I'm starting to get a little bit jealous of their connection. Like they really connect through this Snapchat thing because you, it's not just texting, like you send like a little picture of yourself making a funny face while you, while you text. And uh, anyway, so it's, it's, have, it's starting to make me rethink my you know, philosophy on well, whether or not I'll ever get Snapchat. Well, let's do this interview with mm-hmm. our guest, and yes. then I'll show you how to use the App Store to download Snapchat. <laughs> well, I know how to download <laughs> it. I'm just not sure I want it on my phone. You need one more thing, uh, right? That's the thing. That's the thing. But, yeah. you know, it's my daughter. Anyway. She's uh, worth it, Ben. Okay. Do you need... Ben, look at me. Mm. She's worth it. Okay. All right. It's going to be hard. <laughs> uh, all right. So, all of that aside, uh, we've got a guest. <laughs> we've got a guest uh, on the podcast today. Uh, her name is Bonnie Christian, and uh, she's written a book called A Flexible Faith, and we're going to talk about that um, and talk about a number of different things. Bonnie, it's great to have you with us. Hi, Bonnie. 
Thank you. It is great to be here, though. I have to say it's a little unfair for me to be like trying to laugh silently as I haven't been introduced yet. Right. Yeah, that is that is unfair. I'm, I apologize for uh, talking, uh, making jokes before introducing your, your presence. So people are like, Whoop, who's that? Who's that voice? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, very good. I, glad to have you. Um, Bonnie, introduce yourself a little bit to us. What uh, what where do you live? What do you get up to? What's your life all about? Sure. Um, So I'm a writer. I live in the Twin Cities. Um, Most of the writing I do on a weekly basis is more news and politics. Um, I have a couple Mm. of sort of long-term permalancing gigs, if you will. Uh, The main one of which is I'm the weekend editor for a news outlet called The Week, um, which is a confusing sentence, but we have a a magazine that's like a time (laughs) and Newsweek competitor, and I run the website on the weekends. Okay. and then I'm also a, a foreign policy fellow at a, a little foreign policy shop called Defense Priorities. So I write for them as well. Um, and then what we're you know, primarily here to talk about today is I published my first book this year called A Flexible Faith. And that's um, much more in the theological arena. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's the that's, short version. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, thank you. That's good. And I want to ask you about that. I want to ask you about Me too. Um, those two interests that you have, that you're writing about politics and you're writing about theology. But first, I want to ask you about um, something that I saw on your website as I was looking, uh, looking over your website. Uh, you, say, you say this. This is the introduction to you on the website. I'm a writer who mainly thinks about theology, politics, and guinea pigs, though not necessarily in that order. So talk to me about guinea pigs. Is that, do you guys keep Yeah, um, you know, I think my mom thinks it's unprofessional to have that on there. But <laughs> I, I find us, finally sort of just like accepted, you know, like I'm going to be putting guinea pig pictures on my personal website, like of my guinea pigs. So okay. I might as well, you know, explain like why I have these rodent pictures on my site. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've had guinea pigs for, for most of my life since like third grade and um, still have two today and they're just, Good, good pets. They're great writers' pets because, like, compared to like a like a rat wants to like climb all over you and be relaxed and stuff. A guinea pig wants to just like sit and cuddle and be warm, and oh. so they're great for jobs where you're just sitting for hours. Yeah, mm. that's, that's like a nice. cuddle cuddle rodent. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like smaller than a cat and less like willful and rude. <laughs> yes, <laughs> most animals are less willful and rude than than cats. Yeah. Than cats. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Can I ask you a question about writing for politics? Sure. What? How do you find anything to write about these days? Oh man, it's <laughs> it's tough. No, um, <laughs> even in like you know the relatively short time that I've done this for a living, like the escalation of yeah. things that are happening has been substantial and overwhelming and depressing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I think we all sort of think. You know, but surely it's going to slow down eventually. Like, it's not always going to be like this. And I'm not sure that that's a realistic hope. But mm. you have to keep hoping. Yeah. So t- talk before we get to uh, talking about your book, which is about theological diversity within the church, which is an interesting Guinea topic pigs for... and humans living right. together. <laughs> yes. Finally. The- Guinea pig theology. No, it's... Uh, <clears throat> right. So let, before we get to talking about that, I, w- I do want to ask you about... Your interests are interesting in terms of your writing, where you write about politics and you write about theology. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if you have any reflections on that. Like, what what is it? Where do you see those two worlds connecting? 
And what is it about those two worlds that um, that interests you? Like, is there a connecting point or is it just like two things that you're like, well, these are two things I'm interested in or how do they connect yeah. in your mind? Um, for, you your so for, for a long time, I kept those two things pretty separate. Um, if you go back and I don't, you know, really recommend this because it would be boring, but if you went back and dug through like, you know, the earlier days of my website, you would find very little like theological stuff on there. Um, I was a political science major and undergraduate and, um, you know, focused on that in my professional life for quite a while. Um, and then I started to think, you know, much like the guinea pigs, um, you know, the, this theology stuff is a big, important part of my life. And so like, why am I not, why am I sort of keeping that out of like my public presence and, and like my public writing life? And so I started to integrate that more, especially, um, after I decided to go to seminary, um, there, there became, I think, more of a, a connection between those two halves. Hmm. Um, in terms of an intersection, you know, I think in American politics, uh, as much as sometimes we might wish there wasn't an intersection because <laughs> it comes out so badly, you know, theology and politi- politics do intersect. Um, the hmm. last couple of years in particular have been uh, a very easy time to be writing about things like civil religion and, hmm. um, you know, how, how nationalism comes into the church. And so... I tend to write about those sorts of things. Um, and, and that, you know, sometimes it's something I wish I, and I didn't have to write about in a sense, which wasn't happening, but it is. Yeah. Um, as far as like the two interests, you know, I, I think a, a lot of it is just that they're, they're sort of like the two large scale things that affect, you know, human life and meaning. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and here and in in things to come. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's there's ways, of course, in which they're very different. But in terms of like import, there's also ways in which they're similar. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So almost like the the you know um, the crazy season, so to speak, that we're in that you're <laughs> that you're telling us uh, might might uh, be long term. <laughs> um, has like in some ways we're sort of tired of it, but in other ways it's actually provided an opportunity to to raise some issues that maybe were difficult to talk about, like you know civil religion and nationalism and all of these kinds of things that are that are issues that are right at the center of politics and theology. Um, that now we we have a way of talking about them, or there's an opportunity to talk about them uh, in maybe yeah, ways that I think, there weren't before. I think that's true. It's um it's been something of an, uh, uh, an apocalypse in that sense, right? Yeah, like a re- right. revealing of things that were always there, but are you know not necessarily something we want to really look at if we can avoid it. Yeah, yeah, but now we have to. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm grateful that you are writing in that space. Um, let's talk about your book, uh, sure. A Flexible Faith. It's about theological diversity uh, within Christianity. Um, why did you want to write this book? Like, tell us some of your story. Like, why was this an important thing for you to write? Sure. Um, so I, I grew up in, in pretty conservative church contexts. Um, some like Southern Baptist, a lot of uh, non-denominational uh, evangelical, maybe sometimes verging on fundamentalist sort of places. Mm-hmm. Um, one church I went to, you know, we boys and girls weren't supposed to swim together. And as a woman, if you wanted to be, um, more flexible with your clothing in the summer, you should wear culottes, not pants. Culottes. Um, I remember those. Culottes. Yeah. 
they were rough. Um, <laughs> I, ne- <laughs> I, I never wore them, to- but yes. Isn't yeah. it a culotte? Yeah. Isn't a culotte like a romper without the top? No. Uh, or culottes are like long shorts. It's it's like a skirt, like it's very full, like a full skirt, but there are separate legs. So like if you're just standing still, it might look like you're wearing a skirt, but then you can ride a bike modestly. So it's like a kilt with a diaper. Ride a bike modestly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not good. It's just it's it's, it's, a, two it's skirts, an unpleasant one garment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so, <laughs> I don't know why culottes are featuring so prominently. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've had yeah. dozens and dozens of guests. You're the first person to describe any sort of negative experience with patriarchal purity <laughs> culture so uh yeah. keep going <laughs> um, so yeah so I, I i also mostly attended christian schools and something that i realized um you know in my early 20s was like the school i went to to high school in is where i was paying most attention to this but there's sort of this assumption that um anyone who is a Christian is qualified to teach the Bible or theology class. Like you would, you want someone who, you know, knows about biology to teach biology. You want someone who knows about English to teach English. But when it comes to Bible class, if you love Jesus, you're qualified. Hmm. Um, and so that's how like the biology teacher taught my ninth grade Bible class, even though she couldn't handle a question, which whether it was sincere or not is debatable, but she couldn't handle a question about what is circumcision. Um hmm. And that's just like unfortunate. And I also realized, you know, I went to school with sort of the full gamut of um, like denominational representation. We even had a Greek Orthodox kid. We had Catholics, all sorts of Protestants. And I graduated and I wouldn't have been able to tell you, you know, like, why, why do we go to different churches? What are the things we have in common? What are the meaningful differences between us? And it's like such a lost opportunity. Um, Mm. And so for a long time, I was thinking about sort of, um, you know, that as- specific aspect of Christian education and how you can grow up in church and be so clueless about the vast majority of, of the church. Mm. Um, but I'm not really a textbook writer, per se. Right. <laughs> and so uh, that sort of morphed into this broader project um, for for getting a better grasp, I think, of, of the church universal and, and what else is is out there in our faith. Um, and then also a specific concern for people who are going through like a season of doubt, deconstruction, questioning of their faith, um, and, you know, really need that exploration because they need, um, you know, to understand that, that what they've been handed is not the only version of Christianity of Orthodox Christianity that exists. Yeah. I think that's the story of a lot of our listeners. It's certainly my story as well, that, while I can I can look back on you know the way that I grew up and there's tremendous gifts right that have that have been given to me in that, um, but really in a season of kind of deconstruction and disillusionment, um, it was m- being able to turn to different uh, traditions or realize that there's other ways of kind of looking at these things you know um, that that kind of resonated with me more. Um, and I think that's the story of a lot of our listeners that um, that's been a saving grace for them to be able to kind of look at maybe there's more ways to look at this. Maybe I don't have to you know stop being a Christian <laughs> just because I'm seeing some holes in kind of uh, the way that I was raised or the the ways that I used to think. But that creates some some tension for people, right, Bonnie? That there's there's only one way to have faith, and that's being sort of like rigid, rigidly certain about what what is right and what is wrong. And so, I think for for me, the first 
uh, five to 10 years of my Christian life, if I would have seen the phrase flexible faith, I would have thought, oh yeah, that's liberal, mm-hmm. right? Because to be flexible means I need to compromise or I need to make concessions. And, and being faithful is all about drawing lines, holding the, holding the walls, holding the door, right? And so could you talk a bit, it was a paradigm shift for me, to realize that uh, faith is as much what I believe as as it is how I believe it, and how I believe it, I think I'm, I've been exploring the last ten years. That's the flexibility. Could mm. you could you talk a bit about? Does that language mean anything to you, Bonnie, or is this just me? Like, yeah, no. So I would say two things. First, I would say is that um, some of I think what the the idea of a flexible faith is not necessarily that your personal faith is like sort of just, you know, blowing in the wind, doing like swayed by every influence. Cost to and fro. That, like the faith as a whole, like Christianity as this large corporate thing with billions of people has always had a degree of flexibility theologically inside of it. Mm. Um, and that we miss that at our peril. But I would also say, and I talk about this a lot in the introduction, um, where I talk about this idea of thinking about theology, uh, in terms of concentric circles. So um, the the idea, and this is a, a thing that was introduced to me by Greg Boyd, who wrote the foreword. Um, so the, the concept is that if you picture concentric circles, like the Target logo, um, at the, the center of our faith is Jesus, and that would be like the person of Jesus Christ, not our belief about him, but, but the actual person. And then hmm. outside of that, you have a, a small circle that we could call dogma, and that's the, the really core issues of you know, when people say, what is Christianity? It would be like the, you know, 25 word answer you give. Mm-hmm. Something like the Apostles' Creed is a good encapsulation of that. And then the next biggest circle would be doctrine. And these are the sort of things that divide denomination. Um, you know, does God predestine people to hell? Those sorts of questions. Yeah. And then the largest outside circle would be opinions, things that can coexist in, in, within a denomination, within a single congregation, within a single household. Hmm. Um, and so for me, that model has been super, super helpful, um, just in terms of reframing the way I think about theological questions and debates, because it helps put things into perspective to say like, okay, what I'm disagreeing about with this person is, you know, a big deal, or, or even what I'm, you know, disagreeing about with myself in a sense, if I'm in a time of questioning, like is a big deal, but it's not like definitional for Christianity, like coming right. down on a different place on this doesn't make me a heretic or an atheist or what have you. Um, hmm. And that just creates a very different, like it brings in not a negative flexibility. And it's been interesting to see the reactions to that phrase because they, it's sort of a Rorschach test, like yeah, the flexible right. phrase phase. Um, but yeah, it brings in a, a, a space for that sort of d- debate and exploration. Um, where you're still holding on to that core of Christ and of the basic dogmas of the faith and being able to sort of examine those other things safely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big deal. Being able to examine them faithfully, which is that, you know, I I hear what you mean by flexibility, Mm -hmm. Um, being able to examine faithfully. We had um, Austin Fisher on the podcast and he talked about like, it's less about like whether or not you doubt, but how to doubt faithfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm hearing similar kinds of things. That so, it's about the posture yeah. that we have towards the towards yeah. our own faith. So like Bonnie, I agree with you, and Ben, I agree with you. 
<laughs> which means you both are right. Yeah. But I, I remember a time <laughs> in my life when I would have heard that and it would have not been coherent at all. Mm-hmm. I would have said, but if you pull, it's a slippery, you know, it's a slippery, slippery slope, slope, right? right? Yeah. You yeah. pull this one thing, how, like uh, the opposite of faith is doubt, is what I would have said, right? Mm-hmm. So how could you, like it's, you're being, uh, you're being nonsensical. Yeah, it's difficult because I think we have an idea frequently of faith as mental certainty. Yes. And, you know, you have to be real convinced of things. And if you you don't have that mental certainty, then you're doubting and God is unhappy with you. Um, one thing that was really crucial for me to learn is that. Um, so in the I did not study Greek in seminary, but this is one Greek thing I know is that <laughs> in, the, in the Greek, there is a verb um, to faith. I think it's pistis or something like that. Yeah. And we don't have a verb to faith in in English. And so we translate it believe. And that really lends itself to that idea of like getting the thing belief right in your head. Um, Whereas faith is much more of a concept of like interpersonal trust and trust in the person of Christ. And so reframing it as like that more, um, you know, personal thing and, and being able to think about it, uh, I think this is where the New Testament's, you know, marriage analogy for, for faith is so helpful. Reframing it as our trust in a person um, makes that sort of uncertainty and exploration less worrisome and less automatically troubling as it is when we're thinking about like, oh, this means my beliefs are not completely right. I'm in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It, that faith uh, is more about interpersonal trust than... Yes mental certainty assenting to the correct idea yeah yeah and some people just need permission like bonnie that like uh people feel so scared to begin that exploration or those questions because they've everybody around them you know they're not they're not experiencing a flexible faith in their community they're experiencing a monolithic you know uh rigid rigid like unit it's unitary you know, it's mm-hmm. it's united, but it's it's what, what's uniformity. What Thank you, yeah. uniformity. It's like a uniformity <laughs> rather start, than like about a, Unitarians or something. Well, I was like what are, what are we talking about? Let's leave the Unitarian. <laughs> There's a different podcast for okay, Unitarians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I think I think what uh, just your story, Bonnie, and like you naming this for people gives gives us permission to to regard or reckon that journey as safe or mm. even holy. Right. Yeah. I, I always think of, um, I have a vivid memory of, I want to say it was an early high school, a youth group leader at my church telling me, um, you know, if we don't stand firm on the subject of six day creation within the last 10,000 years or so, we should just throw out the whole Bible. Jesus, it's all false. It's all a lie. Yes. And at the time, my response was like, all right, well, I don't want to throw out everything else. So I guess I'm firm on the six day creation in the last 10,000 years. Um, And that was my response, but that would not have been so many people's responses. Like so many people would have, you know, understandably said, all right, well, I guess I'm an atheist then. Right. Um, Yes. Or, or like, or or Bonnie, you go to any state school and you take a intro to biology class and you're confronted with the overwhelming evidence. Right. And for me, it was, yeah. Yeah, for me, it was purely like an accident of like temperament and like I didn't really care that much about the age of the earth. And so I was like, all right, sure. <laughs> sure. But like that's not going to happen for a lot of people. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. so, you know, for them, I would hope that there would be, you know, other resources available to yeah. this a little more deeply. 
Yeah, yeah. Where it's it's basically the the mistake is to treat that the, there's no concentric circles. There's just a circle. It's just a house of cards. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a, a great analogy. It's a yeah. it's a fragile system. Yeah. That can't handle any challenges to any parts of it. So if yeah. you pull one card it's out, the entire thing falls. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and totally. it doesn't even have to be a base, like a foundational card. It can be, no. a, you know, a card on the top level that doesn't even matter that much, but still everything goes. Everything goes because it's all, yeah, it's all interconnected and it's all fragile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Bonnie, your book, uh, I mean, it talks about all kinds of different stuff, uh, different ways of viewing the Bible, creation, atonement, baptism, miracles, gender, sexuality, nonviolence, hell, eschatology. Uh, and that's like, just a few, it's like tons of chapters. It covers tons <laughs> of ground, right? Wow. Um, and uh, so I'm wondering, as you wrote all of this, and, and the way that you kind of structure it is, let's just say like, okay, basically based on Christian history and the research that I'm, I'm doing here, here's the options, right? Mm-hmm. What, what do Christians believe about violence? What do Christians believe about hell? Um, what, as you wrote this book, as you researched it, um, what surprised you the most? Oh, man. Um... Honestly, I think the most surprising thing for me was less sort of those topical chapters that you mentioned mm-hmm. um, and more the the brief interviews that I did sort of separately from the chapter with people from more unusual branches of the church. Hmm. Yeah. Because um, for a lot of those, those were things that I was like legitimately asking those questions and just didn't know. Um, and so it was very intriguing to hear uh, how those people sort of described themselves and, and their faith and like their, their space in, in like the universal church. Um, hmm. Yeah. So I, I think I would say that. Is there, is there anyone, and, and that's, so the, the, the way the book's structured is there's issues and here's the options. And sometimes you say, here's my view, uh, but then it's interspersed with these interviews where you actually speak mm-hmm. with, um, I, I remember a Benedictine nun, there's a member of the Bruderhof, there's a Coptic Orthodox, there's an Amish family, there's a Native American follower of Jesus. Um, is there any one of those that stands out to you as, as the most interesting or most surprising interview? Hmm. Um, the, the one that I put first, the, the Bruderhof one, um, I think was super intriguing in terms of like her personal story, because he had come from like a, a very like New York City professional lifestyle, and now she's living in like this common purse community that are not Amish. They, they use technology, but it's a, a big change. So that yeah. one was fascinating, I think, on that personal level. Um, I also, in terms of like surprising, the one on kind of costalism from Dr. Simon Chan, and then the one on charismatic Christianity um, from Charles Kuruku, hmm. those were super intriguing because I think we, we sort of lump those together a lot and, and yeah. with good reason, you know, they're historically related. Um, but there is such a striking contrast between their two answers. Like Chan is very academic and, um, you know, as, as much as he's persuaded of Pentecostalism, like he's honest about like, you know, sometimes this is difficult for me. Hmm. Um, like it's not necessarily sort of the, the style that clicks with him just based on personality. Hmm. Whereas Cruz who is like, you know, deeply enthusiastic about it and, um, hmm. you know, sort of much more that, that low church charismatic movement. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciated the, and was surprised by sort of the contrast between those two. Huh, that's great. Yeah. Simon Chan, I, I remember, uh, that being the, the Pentecostal interview. Um, mm-hmm. and I remember his book, Liturgical Theology, mm-hmm. uh, was hugely influential in my, uh, sort of transition into Anglicanism. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I just remember how uh, odd it was for me to talk about the fact that a Pentecostal theologian like influenced me liturgically and sacramentally. It was it's pretty yeah. interesting. It's kind of an illustration. I think he is an illustration of what you're talking about, this kind of interesting overlap of things that we don't think normally go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of, of all the chapters um, of the book, which one was the most challenging for you to write and why? Oh, man. Um, some of them were sort of challenging on a technical level. Like I would say the the chapter on uh, divine foreknowledge, um, like when you're trying to explain, you know, Calvinism and Molinism in like 350 words each. Yes. That's that's difficult. Um, yeah. And like but it was comforting to, that, to know that God knew ahead of time how difficult it would be for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the The... The Bible chapter, um, the eschatology chapter, I think those were similar in that regard. But there's just like a lot of terms and you want to make it accessible. And it's just like, how is this possibly going to fit in the space mm. um, from like sort of a phrasing and diplomacy aspect? Yeah. Definitely the chapter on same-sex marriage, um, you know, because that's just continues to be such a, a fiery debate. Yes. Um, really? I hadn't noticed. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was very concerned about, you know, just phrasing things in a way that would immediately turn someone off, even like hearing the explanation. Right. Right. That you sort yeah, there can be such, and this is true in the political realm as well that you write about where there can be such a, uh, if you signal accidentally the wrong thing, you know what I mean? Like people are immediately are like, Oh, you're on the other team, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a lack of, it's almost visceral, just shuts down the ability to listen and be open. Yeah. So, Why do you think that is, Ben? Mm, I think it's because we don't have a flexible enough faith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't read Bonnie's book. Yeah. No doubt. Mm. Well, I know, Bonnie, that this uh, your project and your journey is actually super helpful to mm-hmm. us and to m- most of our listeners. I think we find ourselves gathering this group of people at Gravity mm-hmm. who are seeking a way to live faithfully yeah. uh, without the rigidity and the brittleness that they've inherited from their tradition and are looking for not the binary decision of brittle, rigidity, faithfulness or sort of, um, you know, make way for pagan uh, licentiousness, but they want yeah. an actual uh, robust, agile, deep uh, Christian faith and spirituality, and so uh, you're. I think you're a part of what God is doing, mm-hmm. and and, and yeah. what we see and what we hear God doing all over. So thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. And I, I mean, I, I really appreciate that you guys are are in this space with people who are in positions of of leadership and ministry, mm-hmm. because I think that this is a a very ne- neglected skill of being able to like handle it well when when I'm you know, a parishioner, whoever comes to you and says, I'm having these doubts. I don't know that I can stay in this church anymore. Sort of, I think the the natural reaction is to say like, you know, let's shore up what we told you, make sure you stay here, don't leave. And mm. that's just perhaps not realistic if the goal is to keep someone in the faith as opposed to keep someone in your queue. Yes, that's really good. That's a great contrast. Bonnie, that'll preach. Yeah, it will preach. <laughs> yes. We have, to, we have to be more concerned about this person and their faith than we are about whether or not 
their journey will <laughs> keep them in the in my pew. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, really good. So, Bonnie, uh, we'll put a link to the book in the show notes uh, of the podcast. How else can people connect with you if they want to reach out? Yeah, so my website is bonniechristian.com, um, and I'm on Twitter at Bonnie Christian. Um, the website includes a couple of different ways to get in touch with me. One of my favorite things is if you have a question that you think you know other people would profit from hearing the answer, there's like a question box where you can submit it, and I can answer it publicly as a blog post. Oh, that's cool. um, yeah, and I'm on you know, Instagram as well, which I guess is a big thing these days for the book marketing. Um, at oh, for, for books, huh? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, Great. you can find me at all those places and Great. I, you know, respond to messages and um, would love to talk. Great. And we'll put a link to those things as well. Um, but it's Bonnie Christian with a K, right? Yes. yes. K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bonnie, thanks for being with us. Thanks for t- uh, talking a little bit uh, about this book. Super and, great. Um, really uh, grateful for the work that you're doing, and it was nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media too. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.